0: mybookie.ag now listen if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big try some parlays they're kind of hard to hit but they're fun to play right Today on the ZabeCast, it will go down as maybe the worst break in D.C. sports history that occurred off the field, court or ice. Max Scherzer's bad back will never forget it. The booze and the boobs were flying on Sunday, including that last Springer home run. I'll talk halftime shows, indefensible and outrageous fantasy football indifference, and AT&T saying, bye, boy. Your 45 minutes of Gloriously Uncensored me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. Before we get into what was another gutting Baseball game for Nationals fans, concluding three nights in October that will be remembered for the rest of our lives as Nats fans. Three runs over three nights and a bunch of heartache. And on Sunday night, not only just one more run again, got crushed again, 7-1. But the boobies came out, the president showed up, and people booed him merciless. Let me just say this right out of the gate. What an awesome country we live in that the president of the United, United States can get booed so viciously at a baseball game. Not a single person arrested, nobody's families disappearing in black helicopters, at least none that I know of, into the middle of the night. What a country! No matter who you vote for, no matter what you think of Trump or anyone else, what a fucking country! Good old U.S. of A. Now, was it right? Not going to get into that. Obviously, we are living in an age of incredible incivility and just mayhem, really, in terms of political discourse. So, I'm not going get to get into, you know, some people are saying, "See, this is the." Nationals and their fans didn't keep their karma shiny by booing the president. No matter what you think of him, you shouldn't boo him. Hey. Uh, there were stories, I guess, in the post I saw where uh, there were accounts previously of presidents getting booed at baseball games, including big games and maybe even the World Series. Uh, Hoover, Harding, etc. I don't know. People are going to boo, though. And remember, hmm. <laughs> what the baseball fans in Washington, many of them work for the government and they are not going to be against somebody who is not from government of government, part of the big machine in Washington, like Trump, even if he was a prince among men and never once uttered something as vulgar as grab him by the pussy or Uh, didn't do anything else that Trump has done stylistically that they disagree with. An outsider who is not all about Washington and the machinery that runs this town would not be well-received by people who work in the government. I say this as a son of a longtime proud government worker. My pops who worked for the Department of Agriculture. And he told me a long time ago, I'll never forget it. He said, son, nobody knows their rights quite like a government worker. And that included him. So there you go. And believe me, I got plenty of friends that work for the government, in the government. They sell to the government. It is what it is. And they're not all bad. They're not bad people. Not, none of them are, most of them are, let me, I would imagine most of them are not bad people. I know many of them are not bad People. But you got to remember, the government is the most reliable employer in the world. It is also an employer that doles out sometimes insanely inflated salaries and is the one employer in which it is very hard to get fired from. So, any president that is not of Washington and about Washington. Republican or Democrat is not going to be received very well. So about the game itself, Joe Ross, God bless you. You did your best. Bottom line is the Nationals bats have gone silent again for a third straight night. And so therefore you ain't going to be anybody hitting the way that they were hitting on Sunday night. And then you have the debacle of the relieving core just, or the relieving core, the relief pitchers just being a a disaster yet again and they ran Hudson out there for too long Uh, they burned him up more than they should they might need him late in game six and the Max Scherzer injury was just unbelievable I think by the time I had recorded my podcast on Sunday afternoon uh, I had not heard the Scherzer news I can't remember exactly the days are blurring together by the way If you were listening this morning to uh, 97.3 The Game, you heard me not on the air. It's because I had to travel back, Uh, sort of an emergency return back to DC because of the World Series and because of it going to a Game Six. Um, I sort of, you know, I planned this trip up here two months ago, and so therefore we didn't think the Nats would be in the World Series, and I thought, eh, no big deal if I'm up here in uh, late October. And then it's like, oh, shit, the Nats are in the World Series. There's a game six on Tuesday night. We might be out at a bar, at a remote. I've got to get home. Okay, bing, bang, boom. So no direct flights that would get me home in time for the afternoon show, and so therefore I had to take a load management day <laughs> from 97 through the game. Thank you to Bobby Brainerd for filling in for me capably today. Okay, enough of my stupid travel stuff. So I can't remember if the I talked about the Scherzer thing yesterday on the podcast. I can't remember exactly when I recorded it, but yeah. In fact, no, I think it was already done. I hadn't talked about it. It is possibly the worst break off the field that DC sports has ever had if you don't include utter tragedies amongst quote-unquote bad breaks because Sean Taylor's murder and Len Bias's cocaine overdose I don't even think belong as so-called bad breaks. I, I can't even in good conscience say those are bad breaks. And you could add to that Vince Lombardi's cancer, which came on suddenly once he had come to Washington from the Green Bay Packers, had teamed up early with Sonny Jurgensen, still in his late prime, and had Lombardi not gotten sick, had he not died of cancer, someone I believe somebody said that Lombardi and his offensive mind with Sonny Jurgensen and his arm would have been unfair. There were smaller things that were just bad breaks in D.C. sports history. Things like, once upon a time, the Capitals, uh, this was many years ago, 20 years ago, they had a they had home, home ice advantage against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the first round. But because the arena had been pre-booked uh, with other events, including an event called Burn the Floor, some stupid dance competition or dance review, they had to rearrange the best-of-seven deal, and so the Capitals started on the road instead of starting at home, despite having home ice advantage, and they ended up losing that series. Burned the floor. Burned our ass. Speaking of ass, bad breaks. Sharon Pratt Kelly, mayor of D.C., got a pat on the butt after a press conference from then-redskin owner Jack Kent Cook and took it as – I would imagine many women in politics and in public life would have taken it as, hey, look here, you sexist old fuck. What are you doing? It's that and probably a lot of other things that led Jack Kent Cooke to not getting a new stadium for the Redskins built in the district, and so therefore he had to go out to Maryland in what is essentially Landover, although he called the town that he built that stadium Ralph John, after the names of his two sons, Ralph and John, And, yeah, that pat on the butt might have been one of the worst breaks we've had off the field, off the court in D.C. sports history. Obviously, Max Scherzer is scheduled for a crucial game five start at home, waking up unable to put his clothes on because of back spasms and a neck issue. That's about as bad as it gets. But they could have won that game. They just had to hit, and they didn't. And then you had the boobies. God bless the boobies. She showed me her boobies, and I liked them, too, as the soundbite goes from The Waterboy. I think that was from The Waterboy. I play it all the time, Adam Sandler. Three thirsty girls with their own little Instagram hustle, they've got a Patreon website, decided we're going to flash the World Series, and so they did. Now, of course, I went, and I clicked through, and I checked out who they were, and it's like, yeah, they're, they're good looking. They're hot Instagram models. Julia Rose, I think, is the name of one of them, maybe the ringleader. And they have a Patreon account set up in which they purportedly have something like 8,500 members paying $15 a month to get exclusive videos, content, and other stuff from their friends and fellow hotties on Instagram. I would assume they'd be more boobies, and you're paying $15 a month for boobies you could get anywhere all day, every day on the internet. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me to be that, uh, I don't know. I can't imagine anyone paying that, but that's apparently what they have now. Not, I'm not sure exactly how, uh, Patreon works. I think that you don't know exactly how many people are paying the full boat. Some might be paying less. Some might be, I don't know, sort of like non-paying Patreon members, People have said to me, you should do Patreon for the Zabe cast instead of charging five bucks. Eh, I've thought about it. I don't know. It'd be great if there was like one, one or two really rich fans of this stupid podcast that just wrote a big-ass check and said, look, I love it. I love what you do here. Just do this and don't worry about it. Sort of that... You know, the concept of fishing in the open ocean. You never quite know who out there with a lot of money might just say, hey, I'll be your sugar daddy. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't know. They apparently are killing it. And this is America now where the hustle is real and the hustle is ever present. And all you need is a nice pair of titties, some gumption, and good World Series tickets within camera range. And then, you know, the ability to get kicked out of a game. I love that somehow they had a letter, typed letter from Major League Baseball with MLB letterhead on it that read as follows. On October 23rd, 2019, you attended a World Series game number five at Washington Nationals Park in D.C. During the game, you violated the fan code of conduct by exposing yourself during the seventh inning in order to promote a business. So you're saying had I exposed myself for fun? I'd be okay. You were also part of a scheme in which you induced others to expose themselves to promote the business. You are hereby banned from all Major League Baseball stadiums and facilities indefinitely. Signed, David L. Thomas, Vice President, Security and Ballpark Operations, Office of the Commissioner, Major League Baseball. I mean, it looks real. It's got the MLB logo in the upper right-hand corner. Seems like something those stiff asses would write. But man, how do they get the letter so quick? I noticed the letter is folded two ways. So it's got the three, and then, so maybe it was in their back pocket. Could it be forged? I don't know. They posted this on Instagram like 90 minutes after they flashed the stadium. I don't know. Of course, this will inspire copycats. And I'm not sure you can stop it. And I know many of you out there, including some of the women who listen here on the ZabeCast, are saying, what is the big deal? It's just boobies. I don't know. I'm a guy. All guys like bonus boobies. Seeing boobies when you don't think you're going to see boobies. Like at a baseball game. Lovely boobies. Big boobies. Round boobies. Oblong boobies. Perky boobies, somewhat saggy boobies. It doesn't matter. Bonus boobies are always fun. And at least we had that. Game six, Tuesday night. Too late. Well, not too late. This is uh, the Monday for Tuesday podcast. So uh, I think Tuesday night maybe I will record. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll record the front end of this podcast after the baseball game is over on Tuesday night. Like I said, I don't think we've got a remote on Tuesday afternoon, but I'm going to be home and ready for it just in case. A quick note. Many of you have sent me notes about how bad the audio is in loud bars, and even worse, where we were on Friday before the game, they had a DJ set up right next to us, and the music in the background was so loud, it competed so hard with our voices, that listening to the show was pretty much unbearable for many of you. Here's a couple comments. Hey, guys, I'm already missing that nozzle Dan from 98FM. You know, the guy that interrupted you when you were on your headsets over at the other bar? I'll trade this audio debacle for the Dan interruption any day. This is so disrespectful. That's from Bugman Don Burt in Arizona. The ambient noise is unbearable, said another commenter. The remote, this remote is so useless, so much distracting background noise. I agree, I agree, and I'm sorry. Money talks, though. The decisions made by the powers that be are that if we can get money from a bar, significant money to do a live remote, we'll do it. And if we are out somewhere in the public where there lots of fans tend to gather, It's a good thing that they can see our banner and see us doing a show and there's apparently value in that. Or so the powers that be think. I'm of a different mindset because I'm talent and I just want to put on the best show that I can. It's frustrating to think I'm going to spend a couple hours really thinking about what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Let me make sure I got everything in order. I like to play sound on the show and it's almost impossible to do so when I'm on remote. I know the shows are not what they could be or should be when we're on remote, but what can you do? You go where they tell you to go. It's like kind of being in the Army. You know, they say, here, go here and do this, and you do it. End of story. ESPN has canceled the Hyundai Genesis halftime show. Aww. They're swapping out the performance segment for a more traditional interview of chalk talk and game analysis. Monday night football viewers will be made aware of the format change starting with tonight's telecast between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins which not final yet but it's about to be sorry not final yet but it's about to be 27-14 Pittsburgh in this one after falling behind 14 to nothing There was first of all on this uh Genesis deal uh, ESPN confirmed the change, said it would be looking forward to continuing its collaboration with Hyundai's standalone luxury brand. Good. They should. It's it's an incredible car, incredible brand, and I'm still loving my Jenny 11 2011. I kind of wish it would start going bad on me at 180,000 miles. I really don't, but if it did, then I could use that as an excuse of I got I've got to get a new car. I've got new car itch, but this Hyundai Genesis I own, it's too good of a car it not just hasn't given me any mechanical problems whatsoever, it rides so fucking beautifully. It's unbelievable. Anyway, Genesis remains the marquee sponsor of the Monday Night Football halftime break through the end of the season, even though they will not have musical acts. ESPN, according to adage.com, did not offer a very detailed Rationale for ditching the weekly musical element, saying only that network executives had, quote, decided that using halftime for more news and analysis was ultimately the best way to serve our NFL fans. Well, no shit. I think they realize that now that it's just Boog and Tess and some of these games, you go, How did they end up with the fucking Dolphins on Monday Night Football? There ain't nobody watching these games except for hardcore football fans and people who gamble on the games or have fantasy implications. So why are we showing them a halftime musical act? Moreover, I never got the whole black and white thing. I know that these Hyundai Genesis ads are filmed in black and white, which is supposed to be kind of artsy and minimalist and different. I just don't, I don't get it. We're living in a day and age of high definition and beautiful colors. Why wouldn't you do it in color? I don't get it. But yeah, good, good ESPN is finally going, God, what do people really want? If you could have somebody do a halftime highlight package, a la the great Howard Cosell. Look at the Jets on Joe Washington. Look at him go, a sublime runner in his own right, shifting and juking and eluding defenders all the way to the end zone. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Not to imitate Howard Cosell, but to do something similar, a halftime highlight package of stuff that happened on Sunday in the NFL that had humor, that had personality, that had callbacks to other plays that have happened in the NFL in the past that might be similar, be great. But you'd have to get somebody good to do it. You can't just pluck some in-house talking head guy. You'd have to have kind of auditions and say, we want somebody to be our ultimate halftime highlight guy. Or you could have a rotating set of personalities or, or celebrities, musicians, actors, you name it, that might want to record The halftime highlights. You get football, a little bit of flavor, just an idea. That idea sucks. Hey, shut up. You know what? It's better than a black and white concert nobody cared about. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're gonna get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this: my Bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been A small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Yeah, I'm sorry to my entire fantasy league that was run through the station, Team 980. I forgot to set my lineup on Sunday for that league. Why? Well, I'm 1-6. <laughs> Why would I give a shit anymore? And the league does not have a punishment for finishing last, which every league probably should have just to prevent this kind of thing from happening. I forgot to fill out the lineup, and oh my God, I had six players that were on a bye. Holy shit. How did I have so many Cowboys on my team? I mismanaged the league and my team in this league and, and the roster so badly, and I apologize. I apologize for not at least trying harder. I still almost won the damn game by picking up some late players literally an hour before kickoff between the Dolphins and the Steelers. But yeah, I suck. And I apologize. I'm really into this guillotine league that Church got us into. It's the Whiskey League. First of all, guillotine league's uh, something that they invented at Fan Fanball in which you take 17 teams. I think I've told you guys this. 17 teams, the low-scoring team, out every week. So you're not playing anybody in matchups. You don't have to worry about running into somebody that's really hot. You just need to be sort of like antelope in a pack being chased by lions You just need to be faster than the slowest antelope in the herd. So I'm still alive in that league. And it's kind of cool because you're like, okay, I survived. That's good. And then as you get – so in the team that gets lopped off, their players get thrown back into the pool to bid on with your free agency budget. What's interesting is you don't quite know. You're like, ooh, this is a really good player that's come up after three weeks of the league. How much of my budget do I blow? Do I try to just keep skating and then wait because later in the year there's gonna be a lot fewer teams with a lot fewer with a lot less budget to spend on players and I'll be able to outbid them? Then there's a whole art to, well, how much do I bid? Do I bid big round even numbers like a hundred for this guy? Or do I do 101 or 96 or what? what is the thing to try to just get the edge? And then the other thing that makes our league, I think, more interesting is that it was all whiskey aficionados. And so, therefore, the winner gets 16 bottles of whiskey. That's great. I know you're going to laugh when I say this, but to me, that's better than four or $500. I know. Oh, you're so rich. I'd rather have 500 bucks. Okay. And then what are you going to do with it? Put it in your bank account, spend it on utility bills. You're going to buy something nice for yourself? You could. You could buy a new camera or whatever it is you're into, shoes, what, what have you. But I just love the fact that it's a non-monetary prize, and it's something that you would never really buy yourself. You're going to buy yourself 16 bottles of whiskey? Imagine with your downstairs bar in your house, and hopefully everybody has one, unless you don't drink, which is fine. Sixteen bottles of whiskey, and you get to t- people go. Oh my God, you got a lot of whiskey down there. What? What's all that all about? And they're all different bottles. Well, I was in a whiskey league, and I want it. Yes. And what do you get for second place? Nothing. Third place? Nice try. What about weekly bonuses? Nope, don't have them. Very simple. Gambling on football is crazy, but we do it anyway. And then you have games like the Rams and the Bengals, in which, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, The Bengals apparently had a touchdown down 14 late, under a minute to go, that was taken off the board for reasons that are still unclear to many people. And it drove some gamblers up the wall, and it drove some people who didn't have the full Sunday ticket, in which they could flip around to any game they want, crazy, crazy, because they were counting on the red zone, and Scott Hansen, that would be the NFL Network's version of the red zone, not TV's version, which is Andrew Siciliano. By the way, when are those two going to merge? I'm not trying to knock either man out of a job, but it seems like a needless duplication. And one of those guys that was frustrated was one Dave Portnoy, a.k.a. El Presidente, a guy who has plenty of money and could afford the Sunday ticket, where if he's got a lot of money on a specific game like this one, He could have just punched it up and been watching the whole time instead of counting on the red zone to fill him in. Here was Portnoy's rant during the heat of the action on Sunday. Listen, fucking Scott Hansen, how long have you been doing this red zone? Cincinnati plus 12. First and goal, 20 seconds left. They just went down. They didn't fucking score. They had first and goal at the, at the five and didn't score against the fucking Rams. They get the ball back. They drive all the way down the field. It's first and fucking goal, Hanson. This spread's 12. They're down 14. The, the only people watching the fucking red zone, you fucking idiot, are people who gambled. You think people in bet on this game? Show the plays. Update the plays. Touchdown, I got a touchdown Rams. I, I mean, Bengals, I win. They take it off the board. Review, reverse, fourth down, we don't get it. You didn't say a word about it. What are you doing? Of course, Hanson took this in stride and tweeted while on a break or in between You know, flipping to certain games. <laughs> he tweeted pretty much like, hey, I know if you lost a lot of money, you'd be frustrated too, but all I can say is calm down. Uh, Or, no, he said, I know when I'm really mad, the last thing I want is somebody telling me to calm down. So, Dave, calm down. (laughs) I don't know why he just doesn't have Sunday Ticket. I used Sunday Ticket on my iPad and my laptop here in the hotel room uh, on Sunday, and it was quite nice. It was pretty good. If you've got good internet, it's a good app. You can put four games right on your laptop right on, or right on your iPad or your laptop and just with a finger, boop, 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 flip around to the audio. I don't know why Portnoy doesn't have that. Of course, maybe he had DirecTV and canceled, which apparently a lot of people have been doing as of late. Headline, AT&T loses whopping 1.4 million TV customers in quarter three. Telco's three-year plan appeases activist investor. Hmm. I don't know what an activist investor is. Is it an investor who is also has certain causes they're into? Activist investor? Or just an active investor who's telling him do this, don't do that. Go here, cut this. Basically, the company said it's going to continue to sell off pieces of the business to get its balance sheet in shape. And I would imagine that might be a sell-off of DirecTV at some point. Believe me, I would love it if DirecTV well could split off on its own. The original DirecTV as a company was wonderful; their customer support was wonderful. And then the Death Star bottomed up, AT and T, and it went straight to shit from there. You used to be able to call AT or used to be able to call DirecTV to get, you know, something fixed with your service. And you got a very friendly American-based English-speaking person on the phone. And they were lovely to talk to. I can't, I can't overstate it. It was, I would have these customer calls to direct TV where I'm like, that was kind of funny. I was talking with the customer rep. And while we were waiting for certain things to reset on my receiver, we chatted about the weather. We chatted about our favorite teams. It was amazing. AT&T takes over, next thing you know, you're routed to India. No offense, nothing wrong with it, except for the fact that well we shouldn't be talking to somebody in India who has been trained up minimally to speak enough direct TV to try to help you with your stupid receiver. And it just went to shit. So, last month, Elliott Management urged AT&T to refocus on its core business, criticizing massive deals it had made for Time Warner and DirecTV as inhibiting its financial performance. Wow. How about that? Stick to phones, you fucking dummies. Stick to cell phones, you dummies. During the third quarter of 2019, AT&T dropped a net 1.16 million premium TV video subscribers, including at DirecTV and also its over-the-top AT&T TV Now service, dropped almost 200,000 net customers, total net loss of 1.36 million subs in one quarter. And guess what? I have heard I've seen tweets from people saying I've been a customer of DirecTV for this many years, 20, 30 years. I called to complain wanting to get free this or free that because of some service blackout. Waited on hold for 2 hours, asked to be bumped up to customer retention. At the end of the call they're like, "No, there's nothing we can do for you." In fact, somebody tweeted that the customer service rep when they were going to cancel their service, not only didn't throw the house at them to try to keep them as a subscriber, but they said, oh, and by the way, when you mail us back those receivers, which if we don't get one, you're going to get full, charged the full amount for however many years are left in your contract. If you don't include the power cords, they said, you will be charged for the full amount. So they ain't playing at DirecTV. And I'm not canceling either, because I don't really have any options. Maybe I'll call them, see if I can get a free month of HBO. I'll give you a little bit of Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins, and I'll be done with it. I know, I feel bad because I I put so much Redskins shit in this podcast, many of you are like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Okay, I get it. They're a bad team, they're going nowhere, but it is my team. Um, and it's actually very fascinating and a morbid Sort of a way. So the trading deadline is coming up here any minute. And all of a sudden, at the last second, the Redskins are now reportedly, according to Ian Rappaport, willing to trade Trent Williams. Oh, oh! now you're finally willing to trade Trent Williams. Okay, great. Reports were back in August, the Patriots were willing to give up a first-round pick for Trent. Redskins are like, oh. A single first-rounder, and, and from you guys, New England, likely a low first? No way. Who knows if that's true? If it was true, then, well, Bruce done fucked up again. Because they're not getting a first-rounder now. They apparently, the Redskins, have been telling teams, we already have a second-round pick on the table, so if you want Trent, you got to pony up for a first. Maybe they'll get it. Who knows? I think they have waited too long, and they have overestimated the appetite for a guy like Trent Williams. You trade a guy this late in the season, season's half half over. Teams that acquire him don't even know what kind of shape he's in. He could pass a physical, but you won't know until he gets out there and plays. It's too late for the most part. And not only should Trent Williams have been moved already, long ago, but so should Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan could have gotten you a nice middle-round pick for a team that needs an extra durable pass rusher in a 3-4 scheme at outside linebacker. Yeah, they tried to trade uh, you know, Josh Norman, but who the hell's gonna take him? And then there's the Haskins angle. So I didn't get into this yesterday, but Haskins um apparently was told, according to D'Angelo Hall, former Redskin, D'Angelo Hall said that Adrian Peterson went up to Haskins after the game and said, Look, you need to get your nose in the playbook. Because people are saying, you don't know it. And right now, the way you're playing it, you're proving them right. That was the gist of what D'Angelo Hall said. Then Adrian Peterson went on Twitter to say, don't attribute anything that supposedly is something I said unless you see it from me myself or something to that effect. And then went on to say he believes that Haskins has great potential, um, as any young player does, if he applies himself or blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It was sort of a non-denial denial. denial. Okay, then. Then, Haskins decides he's going to tweet to Peterson, don't involve me in any of this media narrative BS, which, ah, I just slapped my forehead and said, oh, God. (laughs) Like Costanza, oh, God. You can't win doing this, Dwayne. You can't. Trust me. We've seen this movie before with RG3. And it doesn't end well. You're never going to win this stuff. You got to be above it. You got to be. In fact, you should probably be off social media. I don't know how many NFL quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, are on social media or at least on Twitter. It just it's there's it's a no win game. It's a sucker's game. And for you to say leave me out of this media narrative, well, you just put yourself in it. And now we get to speculate. Ooh, is Haskins pissed at Peterson? What's going on there? So it leads you to wonder was Haskins overdrafted? And the answer is, yeah, of course. If a guy can't play as a first-rounder and you've got a sixth-rounder in Gardner Minshew playing, overdrafted. And that's the thing about the draft. You don't need me to tell you this, is that when you get a stud like, say, McLaurin as a third-rounder, underdrafted studs are force multipliers, as they say in the military, whereas overdrafted duds are are whatever the opposite of force multiplier would be. Somebody, military person out there, what would be the opposite of a force multiplier? He's not only undoubtedly overdrafted, but I don't buy into the whole, well, if he sits out a year and becomes the next Patrick Mahomes, it'll be worth it. Well, yeah, it'll be worth it, but still, that's a long shot. And I don't think he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. Guys like that are outliers. Guys like him and Aaron Rodgers are outliers. In today's NFL, if you miss a full year of production from your first round pick, you don't get it back. People think, well, it's a first round pick. He didn't do, you know, he didn't play much this year, but he'll be good later. No, no, no. You need first rounders to start playing right away and play very well at whatever position you draft them in. Time is money, and high draft picks losing a year, that starts to bleed away the use, or that starts to bleed away the purpose and the effectiveness of having high picks in the NFL draft. You don't need me to tell you that. I just felt like I needed to say it. Oh, and of course, there's the whole angle with you know Snyder and his kid, and they shared. They went to high school together at uh, Bullis Prep in uh, DC, and that apparently Haskins was the only player on the Redskins draft board that Snyder interviewed himself personally. Only guy who got a call from the owner on draft day, personally. It just... (laughs) Please pray for me. You know, two of the biggest decisions this offseason, one, on drafting Haskins, was made because he went to his son's high school, Snyder, and he talked to him personally. And number two, Landon Collins. They spent a boatload for him Why? In part because he idolized Sean Taylor and Dan Snyder decided, ooh, I could sign him and then I could go to dinner with Landon Collins and I could give him a genuine, game-worn Sean Taylor jersey. And that incident was written about and it's like, wow, what a powerful thing. And I'm thinking, this is no way to pick players. This is no way to decide, yeah, this guy's worth this much money. It's nuts. It's crazy. Speaking of nuts, we'll end on this today. Ever heard the ABC song? You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right. Some maniacs, psychopaths, mental patients have decided let's change the song. Here, take a listen and tell me if you can hear what's different. B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. okay okay why'd you do that what what, what the what the hell was that Why on earth would you, do? what are you doing? Bro, what what are you doing with the song? Are you trying to sow the seeds for a future illiterate generation of kids? Leave it alone. It's perfect. You didn't have to redo the ABC song. Of course, maybe that could be the next Genesis Halftime show on Monday Night Football. Oh, ah, zing. All right, that'll do it for me tonight. Thank you very much for downloading, listening, back home in D.C. on Tuesday. Late night header, at least for the Zabecast, so you'll know my thoughts on game six, and we will start mixing our regular guests back in as well because I'll be back in the home studio. Thank you again for listening. Have yourself a great Tuesday, or whatever Tuesday you choose to have. I'm not running your life. Thanks for listening, and we will... We'll see you next time. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid because remember that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mister X, for the comment. Bottom line is this: my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games. An excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know there have been. A small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right?